Have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, am I missing something? Or is there something missing in all of these self-development practices? Well, us too. I'm Chloe, a yoga student and teacher. And I'm Natalie, a spiritual channel and life coach. We're two cousins raised in very different parts of the country with very different life experiences. But we found ourselves in a conversation where we discovered how similar our self-development paths are, despite our different perspectives and approaches. So we welcome you to this space and our conversations all about our personal growth paths, practices, and perspectives. So let's get into it. Well, welcome back, everybody, and I hope your Thanksgiving was maybe not as stressful as they have been in the past because our one of our episodes, we were helping to kind of just explain about healthy boundaries, so hopefully you were able to maybe put some of those into place, and uh, yeah, it kind of maybe left a little bit of warmth in your heart and in your bellies just knowing that, hey, you know what, you're on the right path, maybe different. And so, um, but we're really excited about this episode because we have a special guest, a friend of mine, um, who is, to me, it honestly has such an incredible story of how he got to be where he's at today. And uh, his name is Shane. Welcome, Shane. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Awesome. So, yeah, today he, so actually, you know what, Shane, how about you introduce yourself? Tell us us a little bit about you. Okay. So my name is Shane Barilla, and I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico, but I moved here in Tucson when I was 10. Had a bit of a situation with getting bit by a dog. Might be able to talk about that story a little bit today, but it led me to stay in Tucson and kind of got me on my path of going to school here and hanging out and actually really enjoying Tucson. And I've kind of been here this whole time and traveled a lot, but now I have a unique situation with the tea business by the University of Arizona, and we kind of started off not the most usual way to have a tea business. Didn't think about tea when I was younger, but it was one of those things I was like back in my mind. But it just ended up being something that started my career and had uh, many ups and downs and paths and different things like that. So yeah, I'm glad to be here and tell you guys a story about what I've had to go through. Yeah, and that's it's really that's what our podcast is all about is wanting to create a community where people understand that life's a struggle, it's a bitch, and that if we keep persevering, we keep pushing forward to follow our dreams and everything like that. And what maybe it's not necessarily our dreams, but just to, yeah. you know, self-love, self-care, um, and keep tuning into our intuition and following our compass and knowing that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna come out the other end. And that's to me is like you are a perfect example of that and that's why I was like we got to have Shane on this oh thank you yeah well so I want to know how you did get into tea so we kind of have to go way back so the story more or less started after I graduated college at the University of Arizona with a business degree wasn't really thinking about working for anyone so never really applied for any jobs just said all right cool I got that done it was part of my path of I need to get you know college degree under my belt and then after I graduated, I said, okay, let's get into something. And I had a lot of friends that were in the real estate business and they were all doing 
so many different things with that. You know, it was kind of the boom time. People were just really making a lot of money in real estate. So my brother was a loan officer and he was having a lot of friends that were realtors and this and that. And I kind of grew up with, you know, people buying real estate around me. My dad was always buying houses. So I used to always kind of go and it was one of my favorite things to kind of, you know, visit my dad and because they were, you know, my dad and my mom got divorced when I was three. So when I was a child, my dad would kind of almost, I almost felt like it was always a new house. So I would always kind of go into a new place and I thought it was so cool. But I didn't think I was going to really get into that as a career, but I always liked it. So I said, okay, let's let's get into real estate. Um, not sure if I want to be a real estate agent. I always thought that would be something that I could easily fall back onto, but I wanted something a little bit different. So they had already realtors in their group and they were like, hey, you know, you should do insurance. This would be great for you. And honestly, I've always despised insurance. It's never been my thing. I've just, I've always been kind of ranting, raving about the fact that, you know, you pay all this money and you don't really get that much in return. But all of a sudden, I ended up being an insurance agent. I went to, you know, a company that was called American National. They were out of the Midwest, but they were trying to expand in Tucson. And I, you know, one of the mistakes I made, I guess a mistake, uh, I didn't really interview many major companies like State Farm and Allstate. And the first people I met, they seemed really nice and cool. And they said, hey, you're great here. We should have you on board. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I did that for a year. And I realized, wow, I really don't like this. It's not my style. It's too much sitting down, too much like kind of, you know, on a computer and, you know, more or less calling people and telling them, hey, you should buy life insurance. Even though I was a young man at the time. And I was kind of always feeling like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm right in this place. All right, I need to get something out. So. After a year of doing that, I said, all right, what's next? And then I got into real estate. I said, all right, fine, let's do this. And I did really well. I kind of jumped right into it at a good time. I was able to really do um, a lot of transactions because at the time everyone was getting into these conversions for condos. So people were, you know, getting these, you know, apartments and turning them into condominiums and giving people ownership of that. So it was a unique opportunity for me to be in a space like that. And I was able to do site sales and and I did really well. I was actually one of the top um, people in the company that I, I signed up with. And it was great. And I felt like very, you know, I was doing what I thought I was doing best at, which is being, you know, social and talking to people and just being a really kind of there for the customer kind of person. And it just kind of made me think, you know, this is kind of my calling. Like, I'm just good with people in general. I don't want them to have a bad deal. I don't want them to have a situation where they feel like they, you know, got you know, short change or they, you know, did, you know, got ripped off or that person was a sales guy and, you know, that's, you're just like every other realtor. So when I got into site sales, it was an opportunity for me to get in front of people and have different conversations that I was used to with insurance. And it was great. And I did very well. And then after a while, I was like, you know what, I feel like I can keep doing this and make good money. But it was something that just wasn't really giving me a lot to feed my soul. And I was feeling even though I had a very comfortable life and I was kind of making good money, I just felt like there was something else out there for me. And I said, okay, let's just see what out there. Um, so I said, all right, let's get into a business because I feel like I can be more, I feel like I can give myself a, a better challenge. And also the other day, I would feel more accomplished being a self-employed business person versus something that I felt in the real estate world, which is like, you know, there's many realtors, they have a product that's already existing and, you know, you really just have to guide them through it. And it wasn't really challenging. So to be in a business and you actually start from the ground up, it gave me an opportunity to say, all right, if I can do this, then I actually, I feel worthy. I feel like I'm really earning this money and I can pass this on to my kids and I can tell them what hard work is. 
and all that good stuff. So when I um, got into my first business, I was looking and looking and I was like, you know what? I just got back from Europe when I was you know, younger. I went to Europe um, after, I think I was like 20, maybe I was 21, I think I was 20. And I was having some issues with just kind of, I don't know, a little stuck with my friends and felt like I wasn't really getting, you know, what I needed out of my friends. And I felt like I was always, you know, giving, 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 but I was in a place that my friends were just not able to give me that in return. And I said, you know, I need to kind of do something different. So I said out of nowhere, I was like, you know, guys, I'm going to go to Europe by myself. I mean, I asked people if they want to go with me and sure enough, they said, oh yeah, great. But then when it came down to it, they were like, um, I don't have the money. I can't do it. And I said, you know, that's totally fine. I'm not going to pressure you, but I'm going. And I bought my tickets and I set myself up with, you know, it was like partial, you know, a Kentucky thing where it's like you go with a group and they kind of guide you through this, you know, this like journey in Europe. But the beginning of it was by myself. The middle was Kentucky with people and the end was me by myself. So it was really ideal to kind of just find myself. And I went there and I just fell in love with just. I don't know, being comfortable in my skin and being around, you know, different cultures and really not, you know, being part of the same routine that everyone else was going through when I was, you know, back home. So I said, this is great. And I just was walking the streets with the headphones on and just listening to some awesome music that I wasn't used to and just exploring record shops and exploring people. And I always remember the first person I met. It was really ironic. The first, first person I met when I got to Amsterdam, that was my first city that I actually was going to stay a night in. And, um, I, you know, find a hostel and I go into the room and there's a guy there and I was like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, Oh, good, good. He's like, where are you from? I was like, Oh, I'm from Arizona. He's like, Oh, I'm from Arizona too. Oh, I was wow. like, you gotta be kidding me. That's I was wild. like, where, where are you from? He's like, Oh, I'm from Phoenix. And I'm like, I'm from, I'm, I'm living in Phoenix right now. I, you know, I'm going to community college, Mesa Community College. He's like, Oh my God. Yeah, me too. Wow. <laughs> and it was just like this thing where I was like, I just left so many things behind. So I'd find someone different. <laughs> different people in different cultures and the first person i met was this guy from asu basically and i was like wow that's um, interesting so i said hey you know what it's all good this is good let's let's go hang out so we basically got going we went out walking around amsterdam and i just remember having a really good time with him but we met you know some other people you know kind of you know in and out of a hostel and these kids that were there a little younger than me they had you know they look like skater kids and they had all these like scratches in their face i think one guy had a black eye and the girl just like you know she just looked like she got in a fight or something and like they just looked like they were a motley bunch and i was like oh we gotta stay away from those guys and you know i think it was day two day three um you know we ended up sitting in the hostel and started hanging out and you know i think it was the morning and they pulled out a joint and we started sitting there and and just kind of started you know talking and got to know that you know they were just regular old guys and the whole reason they had cuts and black eyes is because they were skaters and they got in some accidents with their skateboard and it was from that so it wasn't because they were out there causing problems they just got in a, you know you know a little bit of an accident so all of a sudden i was like oh man these guys are actually really fun and they're like hey you should go hang out with us let's go to you know club and let's go to this place and that place and i always remember that guy from ac was like hey hey real quick you sure you want to go with these guys i mean we should go do our own thing and I told the guys, I said, you know, to be honest with you, I think you're a really cool guy. I think you're awesome. <laughs> um, I think you're you know. fun. But honestly, like, I'm going to go hang out with them because that's what I came here for. I came here to find people and different people and not someone from ASU. No offense, but I just need to find other people right now. And that's awesome. I said goodbye to him and I had a great time with those guys and kind of get me thinking. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm on this, I'm on 
this journey by myself. Like I, I need to do this thing for myself because if I keep, you know, listening to other people, my friends, I'm going to end up with a group of people that I don't really feel really part of. And I'm going to just end up feeling neglected in my own life. So I came back, they had this Europe trip that it was, you know, they called me the social butterfly when I was in this Kentucky tour. And, and it just made me think, I was like, you know what, I have so much more that I can offer and come home and my friends were all just sitting on the couch and, you know, this time where everyone was, you know, just drinking and smoking. My friends were just being lazy. And I came home and I was like, hey guys, I got back from Europe. And they're like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did so many cool things. I'm like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, you guys want to hear it? They're like, uh, sure. And I was like, you know what? People don't need to hear this. I was like, you know, this is your own story. And so anyways, I was like, you know what? I think I need to keep going my path. So I ended up, I think a year later, moving out of my apartment of like four other guys. And these are guys, my friends, you know, that I grew up with them and we had great times. But I was like, you know, it's time for me to move on. Came back to Tucson um, and I said, okay, let's get this college thing done. Let's get all that going. Got that done. And then now I'm ready for business. And I said, okay, insurance didn't work. What's next? All right, real estate. All right, I did really well. Now I have some money. What can I do now? Let's get a business. So I ended up um, asking people around. And I bought a truck from some guy who basically, um, you know, had a business that was different and unique. And I said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about, I just got back from Europe a few years ago and gelato was really popular. I just wanted to kind of maybe think I can have a gelato thing outside of High Corbett here in Tucson for oh, the nice. baseball games. Yeah. And I was like, this would be great. And I asked him, and he's like, well, I don't know how that works, but, you know, I asked him, I was like, hey, you have a swamp meet. He's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, do you do well there? And he's like, yeah, you'd be surprised. And I was like, wow, okay. Do you think I could sell gelato there? Because, you know, there's a lot of people there. He's like, um, they kind of run the show with food, so I don't know. But if you're interested in buying business and you want to get business, there's a guy across the street from me who is actually selling his business and it's a perfume store. And I said, well, I don't do perfume. I don't, I don't wear cologne. It's just not my thing. He's like, I don't know. Just, I don't know. This guy's busy. He's always has cash on hand. Like the guy has business. And I was like, really? The Swami? And I was like, you know, Swami, it's a flea market. So basically people just, you know, either you have like a, you set up a stand and you just sell junk from your house or you have a little bit of a business. And I was surprised how many people you know, I went there to check out this guy and see what it was all about. I was surprised to see many people had businesses there. And I was like, wow, I'm not a swampy kind of guy. I don't really like buying old used things. It's just not my thing. But I saw this opportunity where this guy had this perfume business. And I said, I'm going to watch this guy for a little bit. So I watched him and I went up to him after the night. And I said, hey, I heard you want to sell. This guy's name is Mike. And I said, hey, um, what's the deal? And he said, well, I'm going to go back home to Armenia or something. And he was like, yeah, I just want to go with my brother because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this business. Do you want it? And I said, well, let me see who your sales are. So for the next month, he basically kind of got his sales set up on a notebook. And I said, okay. Then he gives it to me. And I said, wow, this guy's doing a lot. And I was like telling my girlfriend, who really liked perfume, uh, who's now my wife. Um, I was like, hey, you know, are you interested in perfume? She's like, oh, I love perfume. I said, will you help me kind of get this thing going? Because I don't really know any perfume. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. She's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. So, you know, once again, I wouldn't think she would be into either. She's not really a Swami kind of girl either, but we just kind of said, okay, we just, I gave the guy, you know, 20 some thousand dollars. Sounds crazy. I think everyone thought I was crazy. Bought the building, bought the merchandise that was in there and boom, I was on my own. And, you know, basically I was out there five years, every weekend, Friday night, all Saturday, Sunday morning. And, you know, if you've ever been to Tucson, you know, it's hot sometimes. <laughs> and it's crazy in the summertime and it gets rainy in the, the monsoon season in August, September. So all these factors. And then you have the people factor, which is 
some people are crude and they're and they're rough around the edges and you have people with you know tattoos all over their face and people come out of jail and you see all these different walks of life out there trying to you know buy stuff and they're out there just kind of doing their thing but you just kind of have this idea of like oh that person looks scary i gotta sell this person and i said you know what i can't get that way i can't i can't think this way i've always been around a lot of different types of people i grew up in a in a poor community and i kind of went my way through hispanics because i'm a hispanic person and and then I went to Tucson and it was very much more Anglo and got to kind of meet them. And I did, you know, I really enjoyed my time in, in junior high and high school here in Tucson. And I made a lot of friends and I was like, you know what, good with people. I was like, I, I can deal with this. So all of a sudden, you know, I realized that, you know, the main thing you need to do in business is don't judge. And if anything, you be the first person that says, hey, you're welcome in, in here. You give them the salutation. Hey, how are you doing? And it's amazing people, I don't know if you want to say melt, but they instantly become, you know, not threatening. They're docile, if you want to call it something. You know, they're easygoing. They're ready to have a conversation. They're like, oh, cool. You're okay. You know, because I think a lot of times those people who look that way, I think a lot of times people do think, you know, that they're going to cause problems. And they, you know, it's like a dog. And you tell a dog, you know, he looked at him. He's mean. He's crazy. And everyone, you know, sees that and gives that energy to that dog. You know, the dog's like, okay, fine. I guess I'm going to be tough and crazy. I'm going to be a mean dog. All right, fine. When maybe inside they're just like teddy bears, you know? And I realized that with people really early on in that Swami, and I was like, man, these people are really sweet and genuine and nice. And, you know, I always remember this one guy, this one of my favorite customers, and the guy was like tattoos on his face, and he literally got out of prison. And the guy was one of the nicest guys ever. Super cool, great dad, great you know, husband. And, yeah, I mean, he's talked a little different and said things a little different, but he was a good guy. And we became good friends. And, you know, every weekend if you come by, and they were so loyal. And all of a sudden, I just basically started selling every weekend, and I would sell a lot. I mean, we—I I was good at selling perfume and cologne. I learned, I learned Spanish along the way enough to get by. And all of a sudden, I was out there slinging perfume and cologne and doing my thing. And my wife was out there most of the time too in the beginning. And all of a sudden, we were just like, we have a business that people really enjoy. And I think we were reputable because we sold, you know, perfume and cologne. We weren't doing the fake stuff a lot of people just wanted to do. And all of a sudden. We were known, and I had a good following, and I was like, all right, what's next? I can't just be out here my rest of my life. Like, I never intended that to be a thing. Like, this is cool, and this is great, but, you know, it's a cash business. I feel a little shady. I feel like I can't really, you know, tell people, hey, great, I'm a business owner. Oh, cool, Where, where's your business? Oh, it's the Swami IL-7, you know, right. letter B. And it just wasn't, like, you know, a thing that I was like, I really need to kind of get an exit plan out of this. So I, I opened up a store in Phoenix, to kind of give myself another thing, and it was at a, it was a Rancheria Chadia grocery store. It's pretty popular with Hispanics in Phoenix. And excuse me, were you were you like commuting from Swap Meet to yeah? This whole I was. Time? I was basically. I I took off a summer. And I said, okay, I have employees now. I had a whole thing with employees. I had young people that were Hispanic speaking, and they were able to kind of run the show. And my wife, you know, was or girlfriend at the time, was able to kind of help out with that too. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, all right, I got this business now in Phoenix. I was like, I just signed up for this. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I had this little corner spot in a grocery store in this, like, I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, it was just like a, a very um, Hispanic-driven, Hispanic-dominant grocery store in in a area in Phoenix. And my friends said, oh, you should do, you'll be you'll great there because, you know, you're in Swami and you have those Hispanic people because... Hispanic people kind of buy the most perfume and cologne for the most part because they use it as gifts, they use it as, you know, for themselves. And it just was, you know, it made sense. 
and uh, wasn't the best idea. I ended up kind of losing money. I was out there for the summertime, and it was like I'm in this little corner, and it was like tiny. It was, I mean, I think I was, I think the space was like eight by eight. It was like a prison cell in the corner where no one would even see me. And I just, you know, I was like, all right, this is different Hispanics. I had people from like Central and South uh, America, and I couldn't, you know, do the dialect. I couldn't speak with them like I could with people from, you know, like the border towns in Mexico where I could talk to them. And I was like, all right, this ain't worked out. So kind of did that. I was going back and forth driving every, you know, few days, just living in a, my friend's apartment with him. And I was like, I oh, can't do this anymore. So I got out of that business. And I said, I need to do something else. Like, I, I need to still work with this perfume thing. So I ended up uh, taking a walk with my girlfriend on University Boulevard by the U of A. And we saw a spot that was open that was for lease. Oh, wow, look at that spot. That's beautiful. It's big. It's awesome. It's a good location. So I was like, I'm going to call the landlord, the leasing agent. So I called him up, and they were like, oh, yeah, that space is available. Well, what do you do? I said, well, I have a perfume store. I just want to go okay, well, we're not going to give you that spot because that's a big space and we don't know who you are and you're the Swami, no offense, but like we can't, like, you're not like a legitimate business that we can kind of go, oh, let's do your numbers and see everything. So they were like, how about you take this other spot down the street, a little further down, Stone University Boulevard, and take a look at this spot. And I said, oh, okay. So they showed it to me. There was this old hotel and it was the lobby and they turned me into like a, a suite and then they were like, this is the you know, used to be a bike shop, and uh, I think it was like a camera place to make you know photos. And they're like, you know, you can have this. And it was, I mean, it's really true. It's ten feet wide by thirty feet long, so you can imagine ten feet wide. You know, that was the entire space, the window wow. space. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I had this lease now at the Swami and at University Boulevard. But I felt like I was like, okay, now I can tell you about a real business, about a real physical brick and mortar place. And it was really, you know, awesome. I felt like I was like moving up, you know. And I opened up. I spent money to kind of make it nice, and I exposed the brick, and I put on these really pretty, pretty shelves, and I had these Christmas lights and all this kind of stuff. That's pretty amateur, but it was, you know, it was enough. And all of a sudden, I opened up, and it was grand opening, and it was fun, and people were there, and like, oh, cool. And then after that, pretty much nothing. Like I was pretty much in a situation where I was like, huh. I don't really have any customers that I thought I was going to have. I thought these college kids would be down to buy. But I found out really fast that most college kids get this stuff from their parents, perfume and cologne from their parents. So it was like, hmm. wait a minute. So you're saying you want to buy my perfume and cologne, but you're not because your mom and dad buy it in another state. And they're like, yeah, but we love your stuff. It looks pretty beautiful here. And I was like, oh, wow. but you're not going to buy it. And they're like, no. And the other thing, too, we were a discounted perfume, which, I, you know, people don't realize that any product can be, you know, down from the MSRP. MSRP is Manufacturer's Suggested Retail Price. So you always see MSRP. You don't realize necessarily that, what that means. But what it really means is, you know, the company like Dillard's or, you know, any place you buy perfume. There's people that's called Perfume Mania back in the day. Maybe it's still now. I'm not sure. But they would have discounted. And people were like, oh, it must be fake. But, you know, they buy it at a wholesale just like any product out there. That is for sale that you know company makes they want to sell it there's a spread and you can sell it anywhere you want that's why they give you sales that's why they say hey come now and buy this for 25 percent off they're not doing that because they got the go-ahead from you know the person who made it or the designer that made that perfume you know you buy it at a wholesale price from a wholesaler which is a person that has the ability to buy large amounts from a perfume company 
from Estee Lauder or from Calvin Klein or from anyone who you know you're used to. They buy a large amount to become a wholesaler, and then that wholesaler sells to a retailer, which is me, and then I would market out wherever I wanted to. So they thought because I was giving them a lower price that there was something shady with it. Like, oh, this must not be the same. So then we kind of realized, like, man, we actually need to sell this at full price. And they're like, yeah, that's better. So they started buying a little bit more, but not enough. And then once again, I started like having this unique demographic that I was selling to, just like the Swami where I had Hispanics. Now I had this like Middle Eastern um, crowd that was coming in. There's a lot of people from Saudi Arabia and Dubai, and uh, they love perfume and cologne, like they just as much as Hispanics. And they were out there, you know, coming in, you know, three or four guys at a time would come in and, and we became friends with them. And they would come in and buy three, four hundred dollars worth of perfume wow. and cologne. And a lot of them would, would get the strongest perfume for themselves. It was just very interesting to see how the cultures were different with perfume and cologne. But we became friends with them and also we had this unique situation. But I mean honestly it was just it was just not much money. I mean it was it was fine and dandy at the time to have a little bit of, you know, three hundred dollar sale, but it was really what kept us just to pay the rent. I mean, it was nothing really, oh, I made money on this. It was more like, okay, we just covered rent and utilities because it was just not busy. People would just walk right by me and I was next to a Starbucks and people would just ignore me, go right into the Starbucks and thought, you know, oh, cute. I hope this guy uh, does well, but he's not going to make it. No one thought I was going to make it. So I'm at the Swami and uh, that's on the weekends. And then Monday through Friday, I'm at the university store. My wife and girlfriend takes over on the weekend. So I'm like nonstop. And all of a sudden I was like, oh man, we're not making any money. This is not working out. My real estate that I was still doing on the side, I started doing less and less because it was taking, you know, too much of my time away from my business. And I said, okay, my money's going away. I'm losing money and I don't know what else to do. And I was hoping that we'd make some money on this, but there was a lot of things happening in the, you know, in the state, in the city, there was politics happening and there was a, a thing that happened where there was this thing called SB 1070. It was a political thing that happened where they basically had, you know, they gave police officers, border patrol, the ability to check people's status um, just based on they think that that person's illegal. And it was this huge controversy, it was huge hoopla, and people were just very upset, and I was upset too. Yeah. And what happened was people started saying, we're going to boycott Tucson. If you're going to be like that, we're going to boycott you. We're going to boycott Arizona altogether. So all my Hispanic people at the Swami, who were coming from Mexico to buy large amounts, they said, no more, we're going to go somewhere else. And they started going to California instead of Tucson. So that was happening. So I'm losing money at the Swami. I'm losing money at the university store. I'm like, this isn't going like I thought. And I'm going through a situation. I was making so much money in real estate because I had some good years with the boom. And now I'm pretty much running out of money. Like I have nothing left. And I got to the point where I was like, I think I'm, 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 I either got to make a change or I have to close everything down and I guess I'm going to go back to serving tables like I used to in college because I didn't really know what to do. It's like the worst feeling too when you like see yeah, this, you God. see this path, you know where you want to go and then kind of having to backtrack. It's like, damn, really? Do I have to go back there? Yeah. And you're just now, I mean, at this point I'm now in my thirties and I'm like, do I really have to do this and you know, prove everyone right that I you know, made the mistake of opening up the swap meet and. You know, all these things, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not going to work out, right? And, and it, you know, I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. So I was basically in a situation where I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had this moment where I said, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? So I started kind of doing some internal thinking. And I was like, you know, kind of, you know, honestly, not really telling my, you know, um, girlfriend, really all the stuff that was happening. And I was like in a situation where I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here, but I got to 
I've got on the base and I'm making money and I'm doing all right. So I kind of like said, you know, everything's fine, everything's fine. But in really, the reality, I was just running out of money. And all of a sudden, my nice car, I had a nice Audi A4. All of a sudden, I was like, I can't afford the payment. So I was like, I, I'm going to have to turn this lease in. It was a lease. And I was like, I, I don't think I can pay this. And then all of a sudden, you know, my uh, utilities, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to pay this. So then all of a sudden, you know, I just started making some, you know, situations happen with myself. Like I started going, all right, well, instead of paying, you know, something over here that's more important, like maybe some sales tax to the state, or maybe it's to the federal government for like, you know, some taxes and stuff. I was like, I'll just set up a little payment plan later on because I need the money now. So I would sell now and like pay my bills and everything with that money. And then also time kind of came up at me and also they're like, oh no, you owe us money and you need to give us now. Your, your time's run out. And also I remember like one day my bank account got like seized. I was like, oh my God, there's a levy on my account. And I just remember like, oh, I'm done. Like I don't have anything left. So I had to you know, cancel everything. And, and wow. What I got left. And I just, had, like, some, I just had like some, you know, some, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars left. And I said, okay. And uh, I was like, I'm going to figure this one out. So I read a book. I don't know exactly how this book came into my life, but it is something that I kind of came across. Um, I feel like it was one of those things that just, the universe was giving me, throwing me a bone, but I read this book called The Alchemist. And <laughs> it's a book that a lot of people have experience with because it's, you know, it's this easy story. It's fun. It's easy to read. And it gives a great story of like, you know, as soon as you start your path, because you think it's going to be this way, as soon as you start it, it doesn't work out that way. And that was like my mind that was like, I need something here. And the story is, you want something, ask the universe for it. You need it, you need to ask for it. And I was like, you know, I've always been a spiritual person, but I've never been religious, more or less. I mean, I've always been pretty much praying every day, but I don't pray like in a traditional Christianity way. I just, you know, talk to my God all the time. And I'm always, you know, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know, help me out for these problems and this and that. So I, I, I had a moment where I was like, I need help. And I said it, you know, out loud. And I said, I need help. Please show me something to do that I can get myself out of this mess. And, um, you know, I, I, I basically, after that, I kind of, you know, was keeping my eyes open and said, all right, I know I'm going to get out of this. I just know I'm going to get out of this. So now we're in a situation where I'm like, okay, I have no money. But I told my girlfriend, who is now going to be my, my wife, I knew she was going to be my wife. I was like, hey, you know, when we first started dating, we said we we're going to go to Spain together. And, you know, you went when you were younger. I went when I was younger. We said we we're going to go together. Well, we need to do this soon because, you know, we're going to have kids. We're going to get married. Like, it's going to be really hard for us to pull that off. So we're like, let's do this. So this is like six months prior to what I just told you at the end of that story. So we're like, let's do it. So we basically had a little bit of money. So we book everything. We're all excited. And then as the months go by, I'm telling you all that stuff that happened. I'm starting to lose money. Everything's going to go downhill. And I'm like, oh, my God. So <laughs> we have this plan already set up. And everyone's thinking, well, during that six months, my girlfriend lost her job because of the crisis that was happening in the financial world. So she got laid off. Um, so she had no money. So now my business that had made no money, and less and less money, I'd say, was now having to support her as well. And we're like, oh, my God. And I'm still trying to keep face. Everything's great. Everything's fine. And we now are, I think, a week before we're leaving on our trip, and I'm stressing. And um, she says, hey, I need to talk to you. And I said, uh-oh, it's always a unique thing when someone says, I need to talk to you. I've learned as a business owner and boss, when someone says that, you know, there's, just, there's something, right? There's going to be like, I'm going to quit, or I'm going to move on, or blah, blah, blah. It's like something always. You always have to prepare yourself. And she sits me outside, and she just breaks out crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? I mean, I 
parents passed. I thought, I, mean, I don't know what's going on. She was sick. She didn't you know, have something going on. And she's like, I'm so sorry, but I'm pregnant. And I'm like, you're pregnant? That's awesome. That's great. She's like, I think you're going to be upset. I was like, well, I mean, it's going to be crazy. I, had to, I don't know how we're going to pull it off, but that's awesome. You're pregnant. I mean, it's not ideal time. Like, I really thought we were going to kind of make this thing happen in our European trip. Like, when we go to Spain, like, that was the whole romantic story. But I was like, it's going to be stressful, but that's awesome. She's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm pregnant. And I, I'm like, you know, this far on, and I'm in my first kind of few weeks. And uh, she's like, what are we going to do about the trip? And I said, uh, I was like, you know what? We kind of told ourselves we're going to go, and, you know, we promised ourselves. And I don't know, I just feel like we need to do it, you know, even though we have no money and we have a situation here, and let's just do it. Like, this is our opportunity. So we said, put everything on credit card and, and you know, just kind of borrow money if we need to. And we went on this trip, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, you know, I read this book, The Alchemist, thinking there's going to be an opportunity, and thinking there's something that has to be, otherwise I'm going to come back to being homeless. And we're on this trip, and the first part, she's just completely, you know, morning sick. She's uh, you know, throwing up. We can't do the Spanish thing. We're not, you know, we're not drinking wine. We're not drinking sangria. We're not doing anything. We're just kind of like staying in our room and kind of walking through the stuff in the day and doing stuff. And that was kind of what we had to do because, you know, she was so sick. But it was what it was. So we go to Segovia, which is a cool little town, really small, very picturesque. I thought I was going to propose to her there. But I found out the castle that I was going to propose to her was basically a dungeon. And it was pretty much all castles back in the day. I've learned pretty much dungeons. And it was the <laughs> castle that I thought was perfect because it was the castle that was literally the um, inspiration for Walt Disney for the castle at Disneyland. I was like, oh, how romantic is that? Yeah, we get there and it wasn't romantic. It was just... You know, here's where people died. Here's where people were prisoners. And I was like, oh, okay. And there's people around. I was like, I can't propose to here. So we go and we go. We go to Sevilla. We do that. We take, you know, a trip there. And it's fun. And, and also I still haven't proposed to her. And also I'm in um, I pretty much last destination, which is, um, what is that? I can't, can't remember the brain for it with that name of that uh, town. <laughs> What's it, La Ambra? So, do you know? I can't remember like, the story a thousand in, times. In España, in Spain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe it. A town in Spain? Yes. Yeah. Barcelona? No. It's... I mean, is it like a one of the bigger? Yeah. Madrid? No. Barcelona? Sevilla? Yeah, he was just in Sevilla. What is that? What is that? Um, Sevilla. La, the Ambria? La, la, la Ambria, the, the gardens. Oh, I remember you guys talking about that. Uh, um, um, I don't know. And I don't have the Google machine Granada. next to me. Oh my God, yeah. Granada. Okay. All right, get back to that. So now we're in Granada and we're like basically, you know, in this like really cool city and town that basically, you know, a lot of stuff to see. And there's this place called the Lombra and it's like this famous place that basically has gardens and there's like all sorts of different culture there with different, uh, you know, people taking over the area. So it's like, it kind of goes back and forth with cultures and it just brings out this beautiful place and it's just crazy. And the gardens are just known for people just being blown away by it. So I was like, all right, this is my chance. So I'm like, you know, I got to propose to her. So I find like a little spot in the garden and then kind of, you know, this part you're not supposed to walk through, but I, we, I was like, hey, let's go over here. So I kind of pull her into this restricted area <laughs> and I basically go underneath this really awesome tree and she's looking around and when she turns around, I'm like, you know, kneeling down on my knee and I'm like ready to propose to her. And it was just like this awesome experience. And uh, she said yes. And it was, you know, a great part of the story. And it was also like, all right, cool. Now that part was done. So what about me coming back to something? I got to figure something out. So I'm walking around Rom, I'm sorry, um, the town, and I'm like kind of going, all right, 
um, you know, we've already done this, this stuff with the uh, tourist things and I'm walking and walking. And all of a sudden I had this like moment, this gut check. I was like the strangest feeling. And I just remember like walking by this little like neighborhood and my gut said, stop, turn, go down here. And I just, it's hard to explain it, but it was something that was really profound. And my girlfriend, um, you know, was with me and she was like, Hey, let's go down this path. She's like, well, there's nothing there. But like, why are we going to go down there? I was like, I don't know. Let's just go down a different path so that we can kind of go to our hotel a different way. And I don't know. I don't know. I just want to go down here. She's like, okay, I'm down, I'm down. So we walked down this little like neighborhood street. There's nothing to see other than just like residential houses. And we get to this intersection, you know, block in and there's really nothing, but we look to the left and we kind of get like this smell like, well, it smells really pretty here. And it was different than, you know, your typical gardens and things like that. It was a different smell. And I was like, hey, look at that little spot down there. So let's go check it out. It's a little shop. There's a little gift shop. And it was this little tiny in the wall of the, the huge wall that leads to a cathedral. We were like, look at this little place. And it was like maybe 10 by 10. And they had all these crates out in front of their, their spot. And inside they had knickknacks and chocolates and coffees and you know, things like, you know, people would want to buy for tourist stuff. But they had all these crates out in front, and I'm like, oh, look at this. Like, what is this, like herbs or something? And I'm looking at it, and it says tea, and I'm like, tea? Huh, that's, I, I, I guess I didn't even think about that. And the guy comes out, and he's like, can I help you? Can, you know, can, I, can I show you? And I was like, what is this? He's like, it's tea. It's loose leaf tea. It's like, you know, you guys in the West are not used to real tea. You guys are so used to, like, tea bags where it's all kind of hidden. But, the, you know, the whole world drinks loose leaf tea, except you guys. And it's like the real deal. Like, this is tea. And there's like different things you can add to it. And there's all sorts of flavors and this and that. And dried fruit. And I was looking at this thing going, oh, my God. This is amazing. And I just remember, like, after that moment, you know, I was like, there's something there. I think that's what they wanted me. I think the universe wants me to see this. And I remember, like, the next day we were at uh, dinner. And I said, hey, honey. I have a new business idea because I'm always thinking of business stuff. And she's like, what's up? And I said, we're going to start selling tea. She's like, oh, great. That sounds fun. We're <laughs> going to sell tea. And I was all, here's the kicker in the perfume store. <laughs> and I was like, the perfume store, the swabby? I was like, no, no, no. The university store. She's like, well, that's like 10 feet wide. And we have, you know, perfume store. And I was like, I know, but we don't have a choice. We need to make this thing work because the perfume thing is just not really selling as much as we wanted to. So we got to figure this out. I was like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. So we get back home and we're like, okay, one wall would be tea samples. And we can sell tea bags, like with pouches of loose leaf tea. And then the other wall would be like perfume and cologne. So samples for that. You know, so it was kind of strange. You go in there, you're like, you'd smell like, you know, someone spraying white diamonds, you know, a straw perfume. And then you can see someone over there like, oh, green tea mango. Oh, yeah. This is great. You're bringing the whole like European vibe into yeah. the university area, which is awesome. Yeah. It was really unique. It was different. And I was like, well, we don't have a choice. We were called university perfumes, but we're like, I don't care. It's weird. It's strange. But I don't know. Someone's calling me. So I have to do this. So she's like, okay, let's do it. So she, you know, she found, um, you know, uh, some tea people um, that ended up being part of our teams pretty much to this day. Um, she found this really awesome company that blended really good tea. And we said, hey, we're going to tea business, teach us. So she taught us. And we started, like, learning about it. Started buying small amounts. And we said, oh, this, this blend's great. Let's do this blend. Let's do this blend. And all of a sudden, we just had out this little package, you know, loose leaf tea. And we were just so, we didn't know what we were doing. We just didn't know what we were doing. We, we were just so naive to the idea of tea. Uh, we, we, you know, our, our um, 
name of our tea company was called Tyler's Teas. And it was my dog was named Tyler. And I was like, <laughs> Tyler's a cute name. And I was like, hmm, tea, China, Japan. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll do a panda as our mascot. So we had this panda as our mascot, and it was called Tyler Tees. The panda was named Tyler. And we were like selling tea and I was, with a karate font to make it even worse. Like the font was like karate font. And we're like, oh, perfect. And just being so naive to the idea and just being just, you know, not really thinking through it. But we're like, oh, cool. So we started putting that out there and people started buying. And they started coming more and more. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, gosh, I think this is what the universe is telling me to do. I got to ride this. I got to keep this going. You know, my past, I used to always ask people, you know, hey, you're a successful person. I used to be a server and bartender and all that stuff for restaurants. And I would ask successful people, hey, tell me what, you know, advice, give me some advice. And I used to always do that. And I remember this one guy said, always ride the wave. Always ride the wave. If you're in a situation in business and things are working, ride it. When things are, are not going in your favor and you're going against the wave, get out. You got That's a sign. So I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to ride this wave. And all of a sudden, you know, I wrote it and people were starting to buy more and more. And then we were like, okay, our lease is coming up. And what are we going to do? Perfume store the Swami is not doing what we wanted at all. It was now really bad. It was really bad. And uh, I said, okay, there's a streetcar about to open up, you know, on University Boulevard that's going to kind of connect the city and downtown, you know, make everything kind of cool. Wow. So this is like relatively new in a way because the streetcar is not that. Yeah, it's not that. I mean, it was 2000 and... And then, uh, yeah, so 10, I met I met, 10, I met you right when you opened up on the, the big shop. Yeah, I guess so. You must have been there when we first started yeah. at the big shop. Yeah. So that's kind that's of like where interesting. it was all because, so I was basically in a situation and, and I just remember this once again, another crazy moment. It was just bizarre. So I'm, all right, so I'm now in a situation where I need to send you this. But I was just like, you know, going, what do I do? Because the street was about to get torn up. And they warned us, like, it's going to get bad. It's going to be bad for business. Like, it's going to be hard to walk in this. It's going to be a construction zone. And they already kind of started, like, telling us, like, how bad it's going to be. And all of a sudden, the fences were coming up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I was like, what do I do? Well, I was behind on getting the lease signed. And my landlord's like, hey, you need to come in and sign this lease or not. You know, either do it again or not. And I said, okay, okay, okay. I'll be there soon. So she was busy. I was busy. You know, my landlord's busy. And I was like, okay, I got do I really want to do this? So I've taken a day off from working nonstop. At this moment now, I have a baby boy. The little, my pregnant girlfriend is now my wife, and now I have a baby boy. And um, he, you know, was crawling around the floors of the perfume store uh, when we first opened. And now we're like two and a half years into this business at the store. And um, we're like, okay, what do we do? <laughs> so I take him for a walk. I said, I need to take a day off. I haven't hung out my, my baby boy at all. So I take him on a father-son walk. And I'm walking through the boulevard, and there's all these little shops. And there's this plot, spot that was called Red Velvet Cupcakes. And they were like kind of a trendy thing that was happening at the time. It was in cupcakes. Well, their spot, they opened up around the same time we did. Their spot was now papered up. Like the windows were papered up. And they said, we're going to come back with a new concept. I was like, oh, my gosh. What is this? I was like, I, this is a good location. And I said, I never would have found this spot if I didn't have this day off. And it was going to get taken so fast because the market was like, people want to take that spot. It was an ideal spot. And I said, oh, my God, this is really bizarre. This is really bizarre. Like, the universe is doing something again. Okay. So I called my landlord. I said, hey, um, I'm going to go sign the lease. But 
curious, what's up with that spot over there, that red velvet type cupcake place? She's like, well, they went out of business, and we're going to rent it out to someone new. Uh, why, you're interested? I said, yeah, absolutely. She's like, well, I mean, the rent's much higher, and, you know, it's different. I mean, perfume, and really, you're going to be able to pull it off? I mean, I mean, I was doing, like, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I think I was doing, like, 3000 to $5,000 a month in sales, and my rent was 2500 So I was, like, not. I didn't look like a business, but I was there every day and she saw that. And she's like, hey, work your butt off and I want to help you out. You know, if you're interested. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So she's like, go talk to all the the businesses on that side of the street, you know, in that part of the boulevard versus where you are, which is further down. It doesn't get as much traffic and see what the difference in traffic is. So I talked to these people and I was like, oh my God, you guys get how many people coming through here today? You guys have like over a hundred people walking through and stuff. Like, oh yeah, it's great. I was like, oh my God, I got to get the space. So I said, all right, so I'm not going to sign yet. I would like that spot. She said, really? I was like, yeah, it's, I, I have this idea. I have a concept. I want to make a tea house. I want to kind of have a place where people can go there and sit down and have couches and have food and have this and that. It'd be really fun and cool. She's like, all right, that sounds great. Let me go talk to the board. She talks to the board. They all said, you know, Shane is a good guy. He's worked hard. Let's give him a chance. So they threw me a bone and they said, all right, it's yours. You want it. And I just remember like, oh my God, I didn't get this spot. This is crazy. And I just remember going, but I have no money. I have like no <laughs> money. I have, I think, I really, really think, I've told this story before. I really do think I had like 250 bucks to my name. And I was like, um, yeah, I'll do it. And she's like, you have money and everything? And she set up with all the finance. And I was like, oh yeah, I have everything. <laughs> so she hears this podcast and you're like, what did you do? How'd you do this? What'd you tell me? Right. But it was one of those things. I think she's cool with it. But it was one of those things. I was like, all right, the universe is giving me this opportunity. I'm going to follow through with it and see what happens. So I signed it and I basically put my name on it and blood on the paper. And I said, all right, let's do this. And all of a sudden I had to like start building this place out with no money. And I was getting all these like bids that were so expensive. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I just basically, long story short with that part, I just, I made some deals and I made some situations happen that worked out for me. And I was basically making deals long-term for people to help me out now. And the short term, I had to like basically do everything myself for the most part and stuff I couldn't do. I had to, you know, I hired it out, but I made deals. So I remember always having to grab all the stuff from that little perfume store slash tea house. That was my little tiny store to my new store. And I'm boxes and boxes of stuff. And I'm just dragging it across the University Boulevard by all these popular bars. And I just remember these people looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, I'm sweating, like, nonstop, just walking with these boxes. I, I couldn't even hire someone to help me. And, you know, my, you know, my wife, she was like, you big enough to these big boxes. And I was like, I'm on my own. So I'm like, just dragging boxes over and over all day, every day. And these people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Just kind of. Moving along, <laughs> little by little, I kept telling myself, little by little, I'll get there. It was my motto the whole time. I was like, little by little, I'll get there. The universe said that this is my path. I got to keep going with this. I got to keep going. I, it's like, there's no other way around this. I, I'm going to die trying. And all of a sudden, a month or two off of schedule, I kind of had my spot. And it was open. And all of a sudden, they were like, ooh, I'm so sorry you opened up construction so bad right here. And the streetcar is going to be, you know, opening up here in the next six months or something. So it's going to be so bad. And I was like, honestly, I don't care. I really don't care. I was like, I've gone through this much heartache and challenge and being broke for so long. The universe is going to keep helping me out. I just know it. So we are now open. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I don't know how to make tea. Like, I do, <laughs> but not on a, on a level of, like, you know, a lot of people coming in and going, hey, I want tea. I want tea. Oh, here you go. So I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But I was like, I, don't know. I brought my two per, uh, perfume salespeople over to the tea business. I was like, you want to work with tea? Like, yeah. So I had two employees, um, Lynette and Tori, they're awesome. And they basically, you know, were great to help me out. And it was just us trying to figure it out. And I was, you remember, like, I was so insecure about my inability to make tea and to be a legit tea house that I made everything set up in the back. So I had, like, a front menu that there was a chalkboard that had all the teas written out. Lynette wrote it out, and she's great handwriting. So people would go, oh, I want green tea. I'll take green tea mango. Great. I'll take a, you know, I'll take a Darjeeling. And it was all kind of on the chalkboard. And I would, okay. And I would run in the back, and I would somehow, like, put things together to make some kind of tea. And I was getting, like, these, like, porcelain cups with these metal infusers and pouring super hot water. And I'm just, like, not sure how much tea you're supposed to use. And I just remember, like, burning my hands nonstop. And, like, I would always go in the back started up and then i would come up and there was like three or four people in line and i'm like oh my god by myself and i'm like okay what do you like and they're like oh can i get this this and that and i was like yeah right back and i would go in the back and have a disaster in the back full-on <laughs> disaster just everything going wrong in the back and then five ten minutes later i'd come up with some kind of thing and they were like oh thanks and it was like you know not that good not that great but they were just like oh this poor guy so they kind of just like were I've been very, 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 very fortunate with people just being always cool with no matter what I throw in front of them. And I've thrown out a lot of fun, crazy things in front of them. And they just are always like, all right, cool. Well, here, here's the money. Here you go. Thank you. Like the universe kept giving me customers. And as we started going through, we started getting better and learning how to do it. And remember, we had coffee in the night. Worst idea ever. It was like the infusers were not right for it. So all the coffee grains just expanded. And they wouldn't come out of the infuser. So I remember this guy, this woman came in, sorry, this woman came in and she ordered um, some coffee. And I was so slow and dead that I was able to make it within a you know, five, ten minute time. So we're talking and it wasn't a big deal. And she's like, oh, thanks. She came in like two days later with her whole family. And they're all coffee drinkers. She's like, we just want to support you and help you out. So they all came in, they all ordered coffee. And I just remember it took 30 minutes to make I had four cups of coffee. And it was just nothing but grounds in the coffee. It was destroyed. <laughs> I mean, it was so horrible. And they never came back again. I would always remember that. They never came back again. It was that bad. But anyways, we started getting better. And we started figuring things out. And all of a sudden, people started going, you know, it's a fun place. It's a cool place. But I really wasn't making any money. I mean, I wasn't really doing any sales for the most part. But I was still happy. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there. I mean, people would be in there. We had couches. People would be in there. It was so slow that people would sleep there. They would sleep on the couches. And we became friends with these college kids. And they were like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you. And we talked politics and philosophy. And no business, no. <laughs> just us talking. And then I just remember sitting there one time. And this is my turning point for this particular business. And I said, God, you know, I'm just so slow. Like, I just can't take, I can't make tea very fast. I can't compete with Starbucks. I can't compete with anyone. I'm so slow with, like, making it. It takes, like, five minutes to make a tea. And there's someone online it takes longer. And this guy is like one of my friends who's his customer. He's like, hmm, huh, okay. So I, at the moment, was, um, there was businesses going out of business left and right at this time and place. And my landlord was like, hey, another place went out of business, go grab whatever you want from there. So I grabbed like my countertops, my refrigerators, my this and that. Like nice. all my stuff was from other businesses. And this one, one business went across the street. They were like, 
hey, go over there. And I went over there and they had this like keg cooler. And I was like, man, it's a big keg cooler. I was like, it's a nice countertop. I mean, I don't serve beer. So I called my brother up and I was like, hey, do you want anything? And he was like, uh, what do they got? And I said, this and that. And he's like, well, I don't want any of that stuff, but uh, you should get that keg cooler. And I said, why would I want that? He's like, I don't know. Maybe one of these days you're going to use it. Crazy. I was like, okay, all right, I'll get it. So my landlord's like, yeah, that was like 500 bucks. So I got all these like helpers from the, you know, the, her staff to come over and drag this thing across the street and tear up the asphalt. And we put it in my spot and just sat there for like a year. And I'm just sitting there with this guy and he's like, huh, I think I, I think I can help you out. So the next day he's like, I have an idea for you. And I was like, remember you mentioned you wanted, you said it'd be so great to be fast. And you mentioned that you'd want to have like how cool to be if you had teas come out of the tap and it'd be fast that way. Like joking about it, like if it was like beer. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I know a guy that I think can help you. He's a beer guy. And I think we can actually make this work for you. This guy came in my life and came out of my life. It was just like, just at this moment in my life. And he introduced me to this man who basically, I, I remember calling him up and I said, hey, I heard that you can have a, a beer keg system. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, beer? And I was like, oh, not exactly. I was like trying to keep it all secret. I was like, it's something different. He's like, what is it? I'm like, I can't tell you. It's kind of a secret. I need to just meet you. So he's like, okay. So he comes over and he sees this like shop that no one's in. And he's like, what's going on? And I said, can you... Can I put tea on these lines? Can I actually sell tea out of these taps? He's like, mm, yeah, I think I can make that happen for you. All of a sudden, we set it up and we had four little taps, and it was, you know, the same, actually the same teas that we have right now: raspberry rose, chai, papaya passion, That's some teas awesome. that have been around for a long, long time with me, Yermonte, and we had four taps. And this thing had a, a like two tower thing, but we only used one. And all of a sudden, people come in, they're like, oh, tea. And I was like, yeah, you want to try the tea on tap? They're like, sure, it's fast, great. And all of a sudden, people are like, that's good. I like that. And I was like, oh, my God. This is this is different. Like, I'm fast now. And all of a sudden, I was like, I need more teas on tap. So all of a sudden, I had another tower. So I had eight teas. And then like, a couple years go by, and I'm busier, getting more popular, getting more people coming in. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, I need more teas. So all of a sudden, I got 12 taps. And all of a sudden, that became a thing. And people started coming in like crazy. And we became the place to be I mean, well now you have two prime locations in tucson yeah and now we have 18 taps yeah and, and now we have coffee on tap nitro net we now know coffee we figured out coffee <laughs> we have matcha nitro matcha on tap and we have a plethora and we have 50 some teas and the story basically ends where our our story now is now we're you know people want us to open up our locations they want to be partners with us they want to franchise and all these different things and now we are flourishing and we have great business and we have all these people who give us accolades. We won best tea three years in a row with the Tucson Weekly here in town and uh, we're known. I mean, I, I go anywhere in Tucson, people know Santa Leaf and it's just an amazing experience to kind of see that we started off at the perfume store at the Swami and now we're at a University Boulevard and, and now downtown and now, you know, thriving online business and now we're trying to figure out what to do next. And I have a future for my kids and future for myself and it's just been incredible. Well, you have such an openness and ability to pivot. Yeah. And that's such a, right? so, so huge. I mean, I feel like people get stuck in their heads, in their heads, stuck yeah. in what they're used to, stuck in their routine and just get stuck. Yeah. But I mean, like you, you know, Isn't something story? didn't feel right. So, all right, well, let's try something else or mm-hmm. this is going great. So let's, let's see where it goes. You know, like you've had such a, It's so inspiring. I mean, every time I hear it, I get sucked in. I'm always like, oh my God, this is such an amazing 
story about intuition and how the universe actually works with you. You know, Chloe was the one that actually got me to read or listen to the alchemist. And I mean, you literally are living that life of the alchemist and it's incredible. So to me, when I hear your story, I hear universe, I hear intuition, the gut check. It's like this world is so much bigger and, and so much beyond our understanding of what's really happening out there. And you're just so tuned in that it's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to survive this life and I'm going to figure it out. And that's where Chloe is saying we get stuck. Mm-hmm. So many get, people get yeah. stuck in that fear state and you're just mm-hmm. like, I got it. Okay. I got to. Well, I was just talking to happen. somebody the other day who was well aware of an unhealthy situation and still didn't want to address it because yeah. she was afraid of, rocking the boat and maybe creating a worse situation and, sure you People know are scared of change yeah yeah well and they're also yeah. scared of like confirmation or um confrontation and Absolutely. like how it's going to make us feel because they don't want to deal with it and you're just kind of like i don't care i gotta this has got to be something like i gotta do this and it's it's like you're just following that calling that so many people don't listen to and you know like when I've worked with elderly people they're always wondering you know what's my purpose in life and you're living it you're following it and it's just to me your story is just so inspirational I was just talking to a friend today I'm like if you haven't listened to our podcast because he's going through the same thing kind of getting stuck along the way and I'm like you need to listen to this man's story that's going to wake your ass up you know, well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I, I've just always felt like, you know, if anyone needs to get anything out of my conversation with you and the, the story is, you know, just that, you know, I've heard before, it's a cliche, but perseverance is key. Like perseverance is just one of those things that I've always kind of said, all right, that's what I got. I know I have that. I know I can deal with the ups and downs, but I know that eventually things change. Yeah. And I felt really comfortable in that state of mind, thinking that things will change. And, um, you know, it's really cool. I was listening to uh, Paul McCartney or they had a podcast just like this. And he had a moment in his life where they were going to a concert and they got a car accident. And um, they were like, we can't get to a concert. What are we going to do? And they were all tripping out. They're like, oh, my God, this is when they were kind of first starting out. And there's some guy in the group, part of the band, like not in the main band, but some part of the crew. He's all, yeah, something's going to happen. And Paul McCartney's always kept that with him. He's like, I know it sounds kind of generic and stuff, but something will happen. Like, yeah. no matter what, no matter what your situation is, if you wait a little bit of time, something will happen. Yeah. yeah. And, well, that was and that's what we always talk about. Yeah. Well, patience. I've, I've done a lot of traveling. And mm-hmm. um, something that I've observed on my trips is that the, the best story and the best experiences happen when things don't go as planned. Yeah. And absolutely. when things seem like, like they're you know going to shit yeah that you end up having this incredible opportunity and these incredible experiences things you know you don't get that when things are kind of just the same over and over right right yeah, that's true. yeah i agree with that i think the best things that happen in life are the ones that are spontaneous and mm-hmm. you know they're just uh happenstance you know yeah. happenstance yeah. is a fun thing you just you find your spouse that way you find yeah. your best friends that way you know everyone has a story about how they met people and so it's like random yeah yeah, that and our ability incredible. to roll with it. Yeah, roll with it. Like, I mean, like you said, roll with the waves. Roll yeah, right. write it. Yeah, right. and that's. I mean, what we're talking about right now is actually it's it's very prevalent in this time that we're in because so many people. If you're not, you know, for those of you that are listening, 
I personally know what's happening on a collective and there are so many things that are happening that are getting us to um, really check in with not only ourselves, but also like our relationships. And there's, there's so many things happening out there that are making us out with the old in with the new, but you have to stick to your own power. You have to stick to what really calls you. And, um, it's all about trust and faith. And let me tell you that, you know, we can, again, talking about this, what I was talking to this person earlier today, it's like, we could preach this shit. We can, we can talk about it all day, but are you actually practicing it? And so you're not necessarily preaching it. You're practicing it. You're actively in that role of like, there's nothing else but trust and faith and patience. And it could be such a mind bending, like rattling, even just completely just put you on the ground of and complete surrender and just kind of make you feel like you're giving up and then something happens like you guys are saying yeah well you get just as much out of those out of those moments as you do in the growth though i mean we learn so much from our mistakes and from when things aren't going well right learn how to do it better we learn how to do it different yeah and that and that's why i'm just i'm so grateful that you wanted to come on to the show with us because it's People in this time that we're in, in this huge pivotal time in our human existence, have to understand that we will get through this time. And um, you, you just got to go in into that intuition and listen to what's happening. I mean, what's the movie that just came out that's um, Marvel just came out? Uh, Eternals. The Eternals. Eternals. And it's such an, oh my God, Is it, I haven't seen it yet. such an amazing movie. Is it? Yeah. And that's what she's, that's what one of the girls is taught in there is. Um, I'm not going to tell you the story, but the she's taught of basically just listen, stop trying so hard and listen. And that's what you did. I mean, that's all you did, really. It's like yeah, you're trying much, hard. Yeah. You're and trying. I threw a lot of stuff against the, you know, as you say, like threw a lot of stuff against the wall. Yeah. I, I threw a lot of stuff against the wall to kind of see what would work. And I always remember people in my sphere, like my employees who were younger and stuff, they would, they just didn't, um, you know, I found out later on behind my back, they were like, what is he doing with this idea? What's he doing with that idea for? And we used to do these smoothies. They were called smooth teas. And they were like smoothies with like spinach, but with tea. Teas on tap with, you know, spinach and fruit. Oh, and it, was, wow. it was really good. And then we had ice cream one. And he was like, what a dumb idea. <laughs> and I was, I found that afterwards. And I was like, it, it's not about, it's not about a good idea or a bad idea. It's about just doing stuff that's out there that's different. Because if you really want to be in business, you know, you can't, you're just not going to compete if you're just plain Jane. You're not going to compete if you're just doing what everyone else is doing. I've seen so many businesses, they just, you know, they just kind of, they do the same thing everyone else has done. And I've always said, I don't want to do that because well, what's the point? And and then why would people want to visit you? I remember my landlord one time, one time she said, she said, when you go into your place, you have an experience. When I go to these other businesses, I don't have an experience. And I think that's what's really unique yeah. about your place. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get people to have an experience. And I don't want them to feel like they are in a place that I'm trying to like sell them to. Yeah. I'm not going to go, hey, look at this. You know, you need to buy this. You need to buy this. Because I felt, to be perfectly honest with you, one of the concepts that I kind of, the, the reason why the tea house became what it was is because I was a little bit upset. And I still am a little upset the way corporate giants you know, came into our culture, invention of the world culture, and implemented what they think we were supposed to have. And you have all these, like, you know, 
this is what a celebrity says is supposed to have. And this is a frappuccino from Starbucks and everyone loves it. Everyone has to have it. You have to have it too. But, you know, in that process, they're also consuming now a thousand calories of yeah. crap. And I was having a hard time at the moment when I opened up this tea business because my father got diabetes and I was upset that people around me were getting sick, not to their own you know, knowledge. Like for the longest time, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know, people, our parents, you know, bless, you know, bless their souls, they didn't, they had no knowledge of how bad it was. They were, you know, their doctors were smoking cigarettes there. You know, McDonald's was the place to go every day. You know, it was cool to have a Coca-Cola every day. Like, it was supposed to be part of, like, your normal life. And they didn't realize that they were consuming so many bad things, so many sugars, so many, you know, synthetic products, and so many things that were just not good for them. And then eventually they had thyroid problems and diabetes, and people passed because of that. And I just get so caught up in that. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be in the business, I want to have to be able to sleep at night. And I want to be able to tell people, if you want that, that's completely up to you. If you want your, you know, drink that's very sweet, that's up to you. But you have an option here. You can choose no sweet, or you can do a little, medium, or high. It's your choice. You make the decision rather than someone exactly. telling you, drink this, it tastes good. Of course it's going to taste good. Sugar. I mean, I don't care what you do. You put vanilla and sugar together, it's good. No matter what. You know, cream, all those things are always going to be good. So people would consume this thinking, oh, okay, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And along the way, they're gaining weight. They're having problems. They're having issues. Yeah. And I was like, these people have no chance. And I felt like the tea business was a way for me to be healthy and give people an option and give people, I mean, I swear when I, I don't, I rarely get sick. I mean, I've been in the tea business for a long time now. It's been like 12, 13 years and I just don't get sick very often. And my wife doesn't either. And my kids don't. And, and my, my staff doesn't. And my people who come in on the tea house all the time, the customers, they just don't because they're finally putting something good in their body. They're finally giving themselves a chance. And the other thing is, too, is a quantity. You know, like, I, I learned along the way, too, about tea. Um, I'm going to try to expose, you know, corporate companies. But, you know, when you go buy a bag of tea, let's say, you know, big brand tea, it's a little tea bag, right? People don't realize that there's around one to two grams of tea. Two grams is a lot for them. But usually around one gram, sometimes even less of tea. And in that tea bag, it's usually powdered tea, like, it's when, when you buy tea, you know, there's stuff that falls to the bottom and it's basically in powder. And the companies that were basically out in our, you know, you know, our stores, our grocery stores throughout the past 50 years, they were basically getting that powdered tea, putting it in a tea bag and saying, hey, drink this, it's tea. When the reality was they weren't drinking tea. They're either drinking something that had almost nothing in terms of tea or they're drinking something that was a bottle product that was basically almost nothing. And you can look it up too. The amount of actual tea in a bottle of tea is like incredibly tiny. It was like, it's almost nothing. So you're drinking basically sugar water on the bottled side or you're drinking water on the tea bag side. And, you know, for us, I'll just tell you the size for us, that same cup of tea that you, that, you know, grandma's been drinking for years and years has one gram of tea. You know, I would say mine's six to eight times more. When you come into my shop, you get that tea. So now you're getting six to eight times more tea. Now you're actually getting a large amount in your body and you're getting all those, you know, those proteins, the amino acids, and those things change you. They, they give you, you know, better skin, better hair, better nails, better health. You actually get all the things that people are drinking tea for. But so many people are drinking tea, they think they're drinking tea and they're not. And that's the thing that I had a problem with too. And I said, you know, there's an opportunity here, huge opportunity to get people something that's really awesome. 
And I think that's one of the reasons I'm successful with is people come back more and more because they feel good. Yeah. They get better energy. Yeah. And they think they're supposed to have this like crazy, oh, I need to have coffee, coffee, coffee. I need to have this energy. And they don't realize that, you know, your body is is good on its own. It just needs a little bit of help to kind of give yourself a maybe a better day. Right. But you don't need to give yourself 300 grams, milligrams of caffeine to give yourself energy. That's actually making you tired. Mm -hmm. So take away something like that. Coffee's great. I drink coffee all the time. But to understand when you're consuming hard, large quantities of this stuff, they're, they're throwing at you when they say, hey, get this, that. It's not good for you. And your body is re going to revolt. And when it revolts, it makes you tired. And then you have a crash. Yeah. And then you have to deal with all that. And then you think, oh, I need more coffee. I need more of this. I need more of that, you know, the caffeinated drink that they're selling to me. And the reality is you don't. You need a balance. Yeah. You need something that gives your body a chance to be normal. Right. You know what? Um, we want to have you back because we want to get into the actual benefits yeah, of Tina. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that this is yeah. a good segue to say like, hey, you know what? You're coming back. Like whether yeah. you like it or not, Shane. We'll definitely have you back, Shane. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, this yeah, we're definitely gonna have a part two to this because we yeah. want to tell people about the benefits and all your knowledge and everything yeah. that you've gained from learning about tea. Sure, I'd love to come back. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. All right, everybody, happy holidays. Thanks for joining the conversation and tuning in to the Purusha podcast, a Purusha project production. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the show, leave a rating and review. Tell your friends and family, share it on social media, or donate on Anchor, link in episode notes. And you can stay up to date on all episodes by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you've heard and want to know more, check us out on Instagram at The Purusha Project. Purusha spelled P-U-R-U-S-A at The Purusha Project or on Facebook at The Purusha Project. The Purusha Podcast is edited and produced by us. Natalie Palomares and Chloe Dunnigan, with very special thanks to Pablo Station for the music. If you like his sound, you can check him out on Instagram at underscore Pablo.station or by clicking the link in the episode notes. And you can join our conversation by sending us your questions or let us know your thoughts on the episode by emailing us at project at gmail.com or you can head over to the Perusha Project Facebook group. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.